Iron Man, Scarlet Witch, U.S. Agent, Spider-Woman, Wonder Man. Battle-hardened heroes of awesome power and courage who have cut loose from their past to forge a new team ready to confront the challenges of these dangerous modern times. Stanley presents Forceworks, Volume 1, Number 1, July 1994. This is Heroes Home Base Podcast, Episode 48. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Rich. This is Mark. This is Rob. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? I'm excellent. Uh, I'm doing well. I finally managed to get my grass cut, and it was <laughs> heat stroke weather in Columbus. Good yeah, Lord. we just uh, we just celebrated uh, Alexi's seventh birthday today, and it was like a thousand degrees out. And really? I have, yet, I have yet to cut my grass. It's hurricane weather out here. I think Henry is making his way over because it's it rain, 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 cats and dogs all day. Say, it was so dark. Got smacked, didn't it? Yeah. Say it again. Rhode Island got smacked, I think, head on. I don't know, but it was dark all day. Mm. Picked a good day to be at home there, Mark. Yes. I was not scheduled to work today, so I stayed in and caught up on my shows. And Don't need subways was... flooding on you. No. I was so excited for this today's episode because I there's so much to talk about. And two really great articles I really wanted to share with you guys. And I was just excited and waiting for this all day today. So, yeah, that was my day. Nice. All day. All day. Um, we usually uh, save this stuff for the end of the episode, but um, we have officially acquired official Heroes Home Base podcast uh, trucker hats. So if you're interested in getting a official Heroes Home Base podcast trucker hat, uh, shoot us an email at uh, heroeshomebase at gmail.com and uh, we'll see what we can do. We have a very limited supply because I wasn't going to invest a bunch of money into something until I actually had my hands on it and realized if it was good or not. Um, but yeah, we kind of want to branch out with more than just reflective sparkly stickers. And uh, now we've got trucker hats. So they're pretty badass. Uh, I'll let the other guys give their opinion of them, but I'm very pleased. We'll get a picture of them up on our Facebook page, too, if you guys want to see them before you say, yeah, I want one. It reminds me of Papa's hats. <laughs> They're really good-looking hats, Rich. Hat. Good for you. I like so, the way the print turned out. Yes. So we'll get a picture and uh, information on our Facebook page if you would like one. Uh, I don't know what the cost is going to be, but if we if we charge anybody for it, it's going to be just so we can buy more and replenish the inventory. It's not to make a bunch of money. So. Me, I've always been a swag guy. I always want t-shirts made. I want hats. I like stickers. I'm just that guy. So, you know, we're 48 episodes in and finally we have some swag. So, yeah. Figured Next we season we'll be coming out with the Heroes Home Base underwear. Stay tuned. <laughs> or the Heroes Home Base podcast. Handkerchief. Your large hoodie because it's going to get cold before you know it. What about uh, Heroes Home Base condoms? <laughs> <laughs> What about some of Heroes Home Base lubrication, baby? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I just had old school I just had uh, super bad flashbacks. You're going to go get that. And it broke all over the parking lot. Oh, my God. <clears throat> Mark, always turning shit sexual. Anyway, yeah. uh, there is a whole hell of a lot of stuff to discuss tonight. So I think we'll lead off with Mark and his news and stuff, and we'll uh, we'll dive right in. We got uh, Mark's long box. We got Rich's poll, and we got Rob's next incarnation of home Here's base, home base um, <laughs> assessment. Home base <laughs> assessment. Home base assessment. Sorry. All right, Mark, what's going on in the news, bro? Well, I wanted to share with you guys. I had a coworker who I told about who lives in at work. He lives in New Jersey, and I told him that I traveled to Zap Comics out in Wayne, New Jersey. He says, I'm about a half hour from that. So I suggested that he take a son there. He took a son there, and they both loved it. So mm -hmm. what he did was, as a thank you, he bought me a graphic novel of something that he was reading. He told me about it, but I kinda, it kind of went in one ear and out the other. But he bought me With this you? graphic no. novel. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Why the Last Man. Have you guys heard of this? I have not, no. 
who's uh who publishes it? DC Vertigo. Okay, all right. No, I haven't and heard it. It's by Brian Vaughn and Pia Gura and Jose okay. Marzan Jr. It is excellent. I could not put it down, and it's about how there's a disease that kills all the men in the world, oh, and oh, all shit. that's left are the women. Except okay. for this one guy and his pet monkey. Okay. And how like there are it's it's very kind of like almost like walking deadish in a way. How there's these different tribes of women and how there's this one leader who's a woman and you know, he has to wear a gas mask and he's kind of like, you know, they find out that there's one man left and there these hordes of women try to kill him and how this one government operative has is is assigned to protect him and it was excellent it's an excellent read it's 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 an awesome graphic novel and it's the winner of three eisner awards and nice. it, they, they're turning it into a tv show which premieres on the who fx hulu september 13th it comes out nice. i mean what's the artwork novel like excellent it's um basic it's it's basic it's good it's not bad it's great okay. Yeah, it's not bad. That's called Why the Last Man, book one. I mean, this it, it was awesome. Everybody with the Y chromosome, it's, I think men have the Y chromosome, correct? You're asking the wrong guy, Rob. <laughs> I do, do you need a XY? Do you need to phone a friend? Well, anyway, let's edit that out. So anyway, um, <laughs> he's the last guy on earth. There's a disease that kills all the men. And they all drop dead, and they don't know why. And it's just excellent. The book was awesome. It really is a page turner. So I'm excited. I read the book one, and for when I see the trailer, for the trailer's up on YouTube. From what I see of it, it's just it's it's straight. It's true to the story. So I'm okay. really excited. It comes out September 13th on FX Hulu. So I'm very excited about that. Oh and yeah. I was in the I was in the bookstore the other day, and I had never heard of this magazine before. And it's called Film Facts. And on the cover, what struck me, because look who's on the cover. Oh, damn. Yvonne Craig. And the article is Yvonne Craig as Batgirl, how television failed to live up to her comic book potential. Damn. It was an excellent article. And so basically the guy who wrote the article is saying how, and we all know this, how Batgirl, the second season of Batman, the television show, Batman 66, the second season, the ratings started to go down. Yes. And they were going to cancel it. So they added Batgirl thinking that they would add, you know, she would bring more followers in the third season. But what he's saying in this article is that he was a fan of her in the comic books, but in the television show, how, for example, certain fight scenes, she'd give like two kicks or she would like throw something. Like she doesn't really kick butt the way she does in the comic books. And right. so they just kind of rele relegated her to like these two kicks or she was always getting captured. Uh, how they showed her being overconfident, taking on a gang of guys and then being captured and Batman and Robin uh, Batman and Robin having to save her. Yeah. And so they break down in every episode in paragraph form. They went through every single episode that she was in about how in the episode she starts out overconfident and she gets captured and then saved. That, overconfident, yeah. captured, and then saved. Overconfident, captured, and saved. And how Batman and Robin were the ones throwing all the punches and kicking and fighting and all the pals, zap and bam. But she would do like two kicks and then like, you know, Robin would have to like jump in and help her. Yeah. So it, it's a great article about how she it just didn't live up to her comic book potential because as we saw she was not only could she fight but she was she had such a brain on her yeah she was very very smart and so in the show they kind of highlighted that a little bit but um it was just this is one particular area it says during the series an often overconfident batgirl would confront a game of criminals and quickly be subdued so it's like she would start out strong but then they would just kind of like but they then they compared her to another actress who was on the show The Avengers from the 1960s, and that character really kicked butt. But Yvonne Craig, who he's saying played the character so well and fit that character well, they just didn't. They she was underutilized. They didn't yeah, show they her didn't acting. utilize her properly. Yeah, they they didn't show her acting range. So I thought it was a great article, and I mean, I it totally struck out. And I think this is everybody knows how much I love Barbara Gordon, how much I love Batgirl. When I saw this, I'm like, this would be great for the show. Hell yeah! Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, and they go on to see, and I'll show you episode 108, Catwoman's Dress to Kill. And they show, they give the title of the episode, and they go on to show you how, how it starts with her and how it ends with her. So <laughs> it's almost it, cookie cutter every yeah, time. Almost, almost. And just, it, it was just, it's a great article. And they show her, and all these pictures listed how she's captured or tied up, and, you know, someone's holding a knife to her, or she's like on like a conveyor belt about to get cut up, or, 
something like that, you know? So it was a great article. Um, in other news... Oh, an interesting article, an interesting article that I was reading on Yahoo. Did you guys know that the actress, Bo Derek almost played Dazzler in the 1970s? No, I didn't know that. That's so, news to me, man. She was an actress, you know, she's an actress. And so Dazzler debuted, you know, around that time, I think it was 1980, I think, or 1979, you know, the early 80s, her character debuted and they were looking to capitalize on that because they were going to make her, you know, Dazzler's the disco queen. And they were looking, Bo Derek talks about how she had a meeting with Marvel about playing this character, but she didn't feel as though she was right for it. Mm -hmm. So that's a piece of interesting Marvel history. Um, there was a great article on Yahoo about how X-Men number one, how it changed Mar the Marvel mutants forever, because they're saying that they gave all these different examples, because the reason why it was 30 years ago was August 20th, 1991, that Marvel Comics released the much anticipated relaunch of their most popular franchise with X-Men number one. And so they go on to say that the first issue of the second X-Men series sold more comics than any other single issue before or since. So wow. it gave, so it, here are the highlights. So it gave birth to the single best-selling comic book of all time. It made the X-Men, the animated series possible. And those costumes and the aesthetics all came from Jim Lee's artwork. Yeah. And then they go on to say how they, it returned Magneto to his iconic villain status. Because they highlight in the article that Magneto was... This is taken from Yahoo. Magneto was the team's primary villain from the original X-Men number one back in 1963. But over the years, writer Chris Claremont involved the mutant master of magnetism into a sympathetic bad guy and then anti-hero. And then finally into a full-fledged member of the X-Men. So, I not know that. Yeah, Claremont made him headmaster of the X-Men of Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters. You didn't know that? No. Yeah, I knew I knew that. I knew that he had led the X-Men for a time. But Marvel, one of the X-Men's number one adversary back as a bad guy. So Claremont and Lee gave Magne gave us Magneto as a as another gave him another turn as a bad guy. They made him a bad guy again. And as I think as I'm reading in the article how that's where Claremont bumped head with Marvel. Okay. So um also it returns the five original X-Men back to the X-Men title because they had branched off into X-Factor and it also marked the end of the Chris Claremont era because at that time he had been with X-Men for 16 years. That's so crazy. Every time you 16, say that, I'm like, 16, 16 years? 16 straight years. Whew. Yeah. So it goes on to talk about how Marvel went the money way, mm -hmm. how they wanted to capitalize on the money and, you know, Chris, you know, Lee wanted a more classic X-Men story while Claremont wanted to push the storyline in new wild directions. And Marvel okay. chose Marvel chose Jim Lee's take and then Claremont quit. So there's that. And then Anthony Mackie has signed on to I did see make, this. Yeah, to make Captain America four. I did see that. So we don't know when because uh we're up we have all the movies up until May of twenty twenty three. But he is signed on. We don't know who's gonna be in it just yet. They just did they did name, you know, um Peggy Carter and they named, you know, uh the guy who played John Walker and whether or not Sebastian Stan will reprise as well as the Winter Soldier. But Anthony Mackie signed on to be Captain America and Captain America Four. So Nice. He closes his deal, I should say. And so Malcolm Spellman, who wrote Falcon in the Middle Shoulder, he's writing the film script. Okay, so it'll just be a stepping off point from the show. Possibly. We shall see. I um, I finished Suicide Squad, which I liked it much better than the first oh, one. Oh, the last episode, you were just like, I'm not watching that trash. Well, I watched it. I <laughs> but I had to rewind, remind Mark that it was streamable instead of having to make a trek to the theater to see it. <laughs> so Mark's pro theater, aren't you, buddy? I'm pro theater, yes. Except when they make you throw out your chocolate. Do you have any? Do you have any cake. more? Yes. Sorry, go ahead, Rob. What'd you say? I said except when they make you throw out your peanut butter chocolate cake. Oh, yep. Yeah, that was tragedy. Um, do you have any other things? Because I got a couple articles that I was going to talk about before we can review that. Um, Michael Keaton. Oh yes. Um, I think you and I, Rich, probably have the same thing. Um, Michael Keaton has interviewed and said that being back in the role as Batman was like riding a bike. Damn. My and guy he's stating that, you know, he even though it wasn't a joke back then when he took the role when he played Batman twice, he even gets it more so now that he's kind of like humbled and he respects the fact that this character and him playing this character in this role is huge. Yes. And have yeah. the significance of that. And he recognizes that. So that was just an article on that. And Robin, Tim Drake is bisexual. 
I heard there was some some things saw, coming out about him. I saw that too. I don't I don't know what current comics that is in. It's from Bat. Hold on, I have it here. It's from Batman Urban Legends. Okay, number six. Don't read it. Don't read it. So, as in you don't read it. I don't read it. Okay, I thought you said don't read it like as a no. <laughs> No, I'm not going to no, say No, he that. came out as bisexual. Um, this is Tim Drake. He is the third character to take up the Robin mantle. Um, He's not Robin right we now. Because right? we can't discount the fact that he was with Stephanie Brown, the spoiler, for his whole entire comic book story arc. So. I don't know anything about that chick. Spoiler? <laughs> the spoiler? <laughs> no, I don't know anything about her. Yeah, that was, Stephanie early, Brown. In, that was early in his, uh, his run. But what? Why not? But they're now saying that he joins a, uh, a. He's a part of a small group of LGBTQ characters in the DC universe. Kate Kane's Batwoman. It's not a. It's not a real small group. <laughs> no, uh, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Renee Montoya, Midnighter, and Apollo. I mean, the list is not small at this point. So yeah, Robin is Tim Drake is bisexual. Isn't um? Isn't it? Uh, wow, I'm drawing a blank here. Isn't it Harley Quinn and uh, Ivy hook up? Yeah, I think they're married. Yeah, married. Okay, I think they just took it off of a Batman animated series. They just used that as their touch point. <laughs> Although that was one of the best episodes, I think. So do either of you know what I'm talking about? News. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> Neither of you were like replying. What did you say? I'm sorry. Yeah, it was it was kind of like off the animated series. Holly and Ivy. I just I thought that was one of the best episodes. Yeah, Harley and Ivy. I mean, Tim Drake's been around in the comics since like what? Like his Robin line came out ninety what three One, four? I thought it was early, like ninety or ninety one, because I picture him in that cover on that cover. But that's all I have. Robin, the news. his his solo title launched in ninety three in the midst of the uh, yeah. Night Quest. Really? That's wow. That was really- no, he's the one who did the investigation and and uh, figured, figured out, out who Bruce, yeah. Bruce Wayne was Batman. So okay, Tim Drake first appearance, uh, Batman four thirty six. That would be August of eighty nine. Okay, wow. as Robin, Batman four fifty seven, December of nineteen ninety. Rich, we might have that. Yeah. So he's how old now? Going on. Well, as Robin would be 1990. So, so 30 years? 2000, 2010, 2020, 31 years. 31 years. So 2021, he's bisexual. So cool. Uh, my news is we all know who James Tinian is. I know I've dropped his name quite a few times on this a few sh- times. show. A few times. James Tinian quits Batman and DC Comics for a Substack comic gig. Uh, this is from, this is a little dated at this point, but this is from August 9th. This is from Bleeding Cool. So James Tinian has announced that he is leaving Batman with 117 or issue 117. supposed to take it to? Uh, they were trying to get him an extension, but Tinian is the comic creator who took over Batman after Tom King was, I love this part, was fired with number 87 and managed to turn his fill-in job into the main gig after DC fired publisher Dan DiDio and canceled 5G, took Batman to new sales heights, replicating the success of Jonathan Hickman's X-Men, introducing um, more characters to the line, and he is off. So James Tinian writes on his newsletter, DC had presented me with a three-year renewal of my exclusive contract with the intent of me working on Batman for the bulk of that time. I was grateful of the offer, but I couldn't help but look at the success of my original creator-owned titles and wondered if it was the right choice. And then I received another contract the best I've ever been given in a decade as a professional comic book writer, a grant from Substack to create a new slate of original comic book properties directly on their platform that my co-creator and I would own completely with Substack taking none of the intellectual property rights or even the publishing rights. Given my bandwidth, I knew I could only pick one of the two contracts sitting in front of me. So he's going to Substack to uh, work on his uh, creator-owned stuff. So his stuff is it, it's top-notch at this point. So Boom Studios, he's got Something's Killing the Children. Uh, he just did The Nice House on the Lake for DC Black Label, and it's just selling out constantly, constantly. So DC is in for a huge shock when this guy is gone. Uh, His stories are original. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and go on and on and on because everybody knows how I feel about Mr. Tinian. But uh, 
this is a huge blow for DC, but, uh, you know, congratulations to, you know, a guy who, I mean, there's been conversations of this since Neil Adams and everybody just every creators getting the royalties for their work and stuff like that. So, you know, more power to them. Um, but there is, uh, you know, there's some heightened controversy of Substack and criticism over uh, some of supposed offensive content but you know everybody's offended by something that they don't agree with these days so i i I just think uh a lot of creators if they get these type of deals from substack to come up with original content they get a lot of money up front so it's not like they get it after the sales are generated they get like a huge signing contract and why would why would you pass on that so especially when uh you know i hate to I hate to say you're working on Batman and you're pigeonholed, but we've said it multiple times. You're pigeonholed to what the publisher and the company wants you to do with the character. So, I mean, it's exactly what you just said earlier, Mark. Claremont and Marvel had a falling out because I'm sure he wanted to take those characters in a direction that Marvel said no. So if it was his own original characters, he would be able to do whatever he wants. So some of these writers want that freedom. But uh, that was the article that I found. So... I just wanted to talk about that. So James Tynion leaving Batman, leaving Batman, which sucks because his his work is dynamic on that. What's your What's your favorite story from him in Batman thus far? Uh, I just I don't even have like a a story uh, or even an arc. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. This guy has come up with some of the coolest and craziest uh, characters that I've ever seen in a Batman book. I mean, it started with like the designer. And the Clown Hunter, he made Ghost Maker, which is a really cool character. Um, you've got Miracle Molly, and you've got Punchline. I mean, that's just a few that he came up with with his short run on Batman. And I just think that the title is not going to be the same now. And I love his Nice House on the Lake storyline right now. It's 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 freaking crazy. So do we want to go ahead and review... We did not get Dr. Doug today, but do we want to just do a quick, uh, do we want to do spoilers on Suicide Squad since Rob hasn't seen it yet, or do we want to hold off on this episode? Go ahead. You go ahead. All right, Mark, why don't you take it away, and then I'll uh, follow up. So are we doing spoilers here? Sure. I liked it. I thought it was much better than the first one. Um, I liked what they did with Harley. I loved Starro. I love Starro. They did an awesome that was like for me that was probably the best part they i mean they did incredible they did an incredible job with star of the conqueror even his little stars that come out and attach to people's faces that i mean that he was probably the best part of the movie um i thought all the acting was really good i at first i was so against it because i thought it was gonna be like 19 million characters on the screen but it wasn't like that they psyched me out 20 minutes <laughs> yeah they psyched me out at the first half of the movie you know what i mean because you know what happens to the first group and then the b team comes in and I thought they did a great job. I, I, I liked it. I give it a I give it a B minus. Yeah. Um, dude, Starro the Conqueror, man. I didn't think I'd ever see that in a movie, let alone I not know. a Justice League movie, but yeah. a Suicide Squad movie. Um, I'm a huge fan of James Gunn. I think uh when we were talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe in past episodes, I have said multiple times that the Guardians of the Galaxy are my favorite ones. Oh. Um I just like his style and it's it was <laughs> he's got his actors that he likes to use and I like that. Definitely not a movie for the kids. Uh it's pretty violent, it's pretty gory, but it was fun. My favorite part if not for Starro the Conqueror would have been Sylvester Stallone as King Shark. Yeah. Like that was the best. Um it wasn't my favorite. I'll I'll say that because I you know, I'm I'm not super hip to the villain movies and all this other stuff and i'm not a real big uh, suicide squad fan personally um but i think this performance from margot robbie was the best performance of harley quinn and the most comic book accurate than any other thing she's done besides like the intro to the first suicide squad where she's like in the cage and blah, blah, blah. But no, like her performance in this one was, I'm just like, this is finally Harley Quinn from the comics. And I dug it. It wasn't, you know, I I didn't think the plot was all that hard to figure out or to follow, but it was just cool as shit to see Star of the Conqueror and King Shark. The other villains, uh, Polka Dot Man was pretty funny. But like like you said, Mark, the acting was good. It was it was fine. It was fun. It was funny. It was a good time. I probably will give it a I probably give it a B Uh, B minus. Yeah, I'll go with the same score you did. 
So I give it probably three and a half stars out of five. How about that? Very so good. I recommend it. I recommend you see it, you know, once. I actually I actually ended up watching it in like three sittings. So I started it and then came back to it and then came back to it again across three days. So I'll find time to sit down and watch it all in one sitting again and, you know, find the things that I maybe missed. But I give it a B minus three and a half out of five. So excellent. Have you guys watched Titans? I am caught up to episode. I finished episode three of season three i have not watched episode four yet i will say becky and i started watching that so we're like i think i tried when rich gave me his dc app when it was originally on there um probably well a year and a half ago um so we're like five episodes in so we're we're you're starting back you're at the way beginning then yeah we're season one so we're but she actually was quite interested so that's something we're gonna watch together so so far we've so far, it's it's interesting. <laughs> Mark, what about you? I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I think they could have done a better job with Barbara Gordon. Uh, without spoiling it for Rob, I completely agree with you. I do not like that casting. I do not like her. I don't like She's... the way that they. I don't like the way that they've written her into the show. I don't. I just no. I'm not digging that. And I've given more characters on that show a chance, and I'm like, ah, oh, let it develop. Three episodes in, I'm like, I do not like her. I do not like the way... And I'm not saying her personally, but as a fan, I don't see her in the role. And number two, I don't like the way she's being written on the show. I just... It's, no, she's not She's not Barbara to me. So I'm glad you, you know, brought that up. I'm sorry to hijack that, but no, I'm not feeling it. Even with her being shot and paralyzed by the Joker, there was still a brightness to her. Yes. And this character seems dull and like... Very uh, dull and dull and her hair is flat and it ain't all the way red and i'm just dull dude the thing that bothers me the most is like okay titans go ahead and go like barbara gordon would be on the computer like okay you guys want to go in okay you're going to go to the southwest northeast corner of this building you coming in from this side and i'm going to send a oracle drone to go this side no she's just standing behind a barricade like that is not barbara gordon like boo boo it would have been yes take the lead guys i'm the police commissioner now but take the lead and then I'll, i will assist you with it eh, i just not i'm not digging the way that they're doing it but uh yeah highly recommend that you pay, uh, hurry the hell up rob and uh, catch up so i think nightwing um, now that we get to see him more in his suit looks great yeah um red i thought they got the red hood looked awesome yes I'm not really digging the nose of his mask. That is also show quitter Kim's biggest complaint because it kind of looks like the up Michael Jackson nose. But uh, see, now you're thinking about it. <laughs> but I'm other not, than I'm not liking all the killing that they're doing of the characters. <laughs> well, let's not let's not spoil it. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I'm like I said, episode three at the end of episode three, and it's it's pretty mind opening. Like, oh shit, <laughs> shit's getting real. So Rob, catch up, man, so we can break this down on future episodes. Okie dokie. I will uh, I will get on it. All right. So do you want me to go ahead and do Rich's poll for the episode? Sure. Quick? Sure. Mark, you good with that? Sure. Not that I need your permission, but. All right. So currently, I'm trying to remember what I did not tell uh, on the last episode because I've got piles and piles of comic books. Um that I have not cataloged yet, but um, we'll start with this. Speaking of James Tinian, The Nice House on the Lake, book three. Uh, still really, really good. I've got uh, from Boom Studios, Keanu Reeves, Berserker number four. Still a really good book. Really violent. Another Boom book, Something's Killing the Children, number 18. Newest book that I talked about on uh, Anthony Desiato's podcast, uh, Digging for Kryptonite, that I was a guest on, was Superman and the Authority. Um, I've got one and two. I've only read one, though. It's uh, it's different. It's uh, surprisingly... Issue one was not filled with nonstop uh, Grant Morrison gibberish, and it made sense. So not that I meant to insult Mr. Grant Morrison, but uh, another book, some issues. Another book that uh, I forgot to tell Rob that I, I, I picked up. Um, I'll show it to you guys. Uh, Batman 89. Batman. Yeah. 89. Batman 89. I saw that. So uh, yeah, this was uh, this was fun. The artwork uh, mimics the '89 uh, Tim Burton movie, and um, it, it's 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 fun so far. I don't know if the story's going to go anywhere. It's a six issue miniseries, but uh, what the hell? Batman '89. Nice. 
pick it up. Um, Rorschach number eleven. Is that um, wrapping up here with that issue twelve? Uh, eleven. So one more to go, and this one wasn't bad, but uh, I'm looking forward to it, to it ending. Uh, and what else do we've got here? I've got Justice League: The Last Ride, issue four, and uh, this still does not disappoint. It goes into a little bit more de- detail of the tragedy that the team experienced and the uh, emotional turmoil that they have with each other. It is just a really excellent book. I highly recommend checking that out. I've got Daredevil number thirty-three which Chip Zdarsky following him up because he's the one doing Justice League Last Ride. But uh, I have not been able to read this one yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Always my favorite Marvel title. Uh, I've got Swamp Thing number six. I have not read this yet, but uh, I'm getting sad because it's six of ten and it's uh, more than halfway over. Uh, I've got Detective 1041 and Batman 111. So, shit, I've only got six more issues of Mr. Tinyan on that book. Checkmate, two of six, the Bendis crap that I'm just reading because I got it. And uh, Action Comics, 1033. And then we had Free Comic Book Day was last week. Yes, yeah. it was. Um, I did get the Enter the House of Slaughter, the prequel to Something is Killing the Children. I got that book. Um, I'm sorry, sir. You got that book? Well, it was in my poll. So even if you wouldn't have gone to the event, Rob took my kids to the free comic book day because I was at work and uh, got me a couple copies. So now I have more than one. Now, let's let's actually say how this went down. So I got a frantic call from Rich on Friday night. Yes. Very concerned about the possible low inventory of this book since apparently some. Well, I wasn't, folks hold on. Were, hold on a second. I wasn't concerned about low inventory, but with the way that something is killing the children, the popularity in that, the speculators were trying to buy this book up, even though it's a free book. Like there are some comic book stores that are that did not do free comic book day because of the Delta variant. So they were selling these free books to people like there was one article I read that some store sold it, sold all the copies for $10 a piece to this one guy trying to just buy them all up. So I'm not all about like trying to get a book that's going to be worth a lot of money in the future. I just I want it because it's going to be pivotal to the story that I'm reading. And I just don't like these people that just buy stuff up. Not that Gib would be involved in just, you know, doing that. But I'm just saying like these, it's just like any other market. We're just associating with comic books, but these speculators, you know, dictate the value and what what's popular. And I just think that that's bullshit. So, well, I guess what, what is confusing to me from a strategy standpoint, if you want to buy a book that you think is going to be worth a lot, don't pick a free comic book day book because they're mass produced. I don't know. Maybe I'm not thinking this through entirely. It just seems like a fool's errand to me. Well, it, it's the market has changed. Like a lot of these, a lot of these um, publishers are coming out with legit story. It's not like the kids spinner rack of free mm-hmm. comics. Like these, these publishers are coming out with really good content and stuff that goes with the current story arcs that are going on and making it a priority for people to get to these stores and get these books. So while I'm talking about that, like I also got the free comic book day, Batman number one, special edition. Let me so, see. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was that. That's also, I mean, it's got a whole laundry list of people, uh, tiny ends on that as well as Humanez and Foreman. And so I will, I will just kind of do a brief check in about how the ogre ran their free comic book day. So uh, in the past, um, you would enter through the main entrance and the the free comic book table was usually behind the counter mm-hmm. before you get into the back issue area. So they, they changed that around, I, I was assuming, because of COVID. Um, so you actually entered through their back room. The table was right to your right. Um, so you could walk through the back room. You got to see their artist wall. Um and then you got to exit through the store so you could end. And I thought it was actually a really cool way to do it. Um, so you kind of got to see the the back room of the ogre. And so they, they did it really well. I think they uh, I think it was everybody could have three books. So um, grab Rich's kids, grab my kids. 
Um, so everybody got three books mostly, I think, but we were in and out of there in probably 10, 15 minutes, but it was, yeah. it was a good event. I, I thought it was the, the way in which they laid it out, it was easier to get to the table. And I just know, I do think rich that if, cause typically when we would go to free comic book day, it would be later in the afternoon and yeah. stuff is gone. So stuff is picked over and, and you don't have much of a selection. So yeah. Um, and if I have to compare, um, Enter the House of Slaughter was probably one of the lower piles in comparison to some of the other ones. So, but g- was able to get the book. I read it. Um, I thought it was pretty good. It was very interesting how it filled some of the gaps. Like I read it, didn't realize it was a, a prequel, but obviously I don't necessarily think it was that. like a full on prequel, but it was basically, you know, it ran current with, you know, the beginning of gaps, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I also got Nightwing number 83. Uh, I have not read, uh, cause I collect this for show quitter Kim, but Tom Taylor is writing the current run of Nightwing and I'm, I'm hearing he's killing it pretty, pretty, pretty good. So yeah. I got to catch up on, he got on it on a, a issue 78. So I need to read 78, 79, 80, Gib, uh, yeah. So, I'm going to I'm going to get back to read Nightwing because I was not impressed with even before uh, Dan Jurgens got on the book. Like the book was just trash. Also, the, uh came out this week. Uh, the Quitter book of Mark Mazak. Batman Catwoman number six came out. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll uh, I have not read it. I just got my hands on it today. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like this book is just another uh doomsday clock getting delayed after delay so Biff. boo so all right I... so that was uh rich's poll for this episode uh mark take it away for your segment mark's long box my long box so you know we all know that i'm an old school head i don't do any of the new stuff i collect a lot of the old stuff 20 30 40 some odd years ago stuff so that's stuff i like to collect so i you know i love instagram i love instagram it's really great and i follow a lot of different things there are certain people who make you know um who create and make their own action figures so mm-hmm. I see a lot of people that do like, you know, the X-Men and it's not like the old Hasbro toy biz one action figures. They make their own. They make their own characters or they make their own figures out of those old characters. And so I saw, I saw one that did every single West Coast Avenger. And nice. I absolutely love I was like, oh, my gosh. I commented, you were excellent. You're so awesome. You're awesome. And the guy wrote me back. That's so great that you love them. Well, then I saw another group, hashtag Forceworks. Now, Forceworks is the, as I read at the top of the show, they are the group that came after the West Coast Avengers were disbanded. So the members, okay. U.S. Agent, Scarlet Witch, Wonder Man, Iron Man, Spider Woman. They were West Coast Avengers, but when they got disbanded, Iron Man wanted to forge his own group that that was had a different kind of mission than the Avengers. So okay. he started Forceworks, and I have the issue in my here right here in my hand. Forceworks number one. And this guy, for days, he and I were going back and forth about how we loved Forceworks. And Forceworks, it really was a great story. It, it only lasted 22 issues, came out from in 1994 and ended in 1996. And at first, the artwork sucks. The artwork was <laughs> awful. It was terrible. I'm surprised but I you kept reading. Right. I kept reading. you like, boo, I'm out. I kept with this it. issue, toilet paper. It was kind oh. of toilet paper, but it you know, it, it, it was a great first issue. And as the later issues went on, our favorite artist, who we got a chance to interview, Dave Ross, actually did, I think, two or three issues as an artist there. So that, that really picked up for me. So I was really loving it. But that was that, that's my long box issues was Forceworks number one, which I hadn't read it in a while until I saw that there's a group that followed it, that there are a lot of people out there that miss and enjoyed first Forceworks as much as I did. So that's what made me choose this book for my Mark's long box picks that I'm not the only one out there that kind of, you know, still wishes for the West Coast Avengers and Force Works era of comics. Nice. Yep, that's my pick. I like it. Home base assessment with Dr. I'm sorry. <laughs> not a doctor. Home base assessment with Robert Wagner. As they say in the hospital, I'm a master's level clinician. That's what the psychologists like to say. I like to put that on a name tag. Yeah. 
So um, I really enjoyed doing this the last time. Becky actually gave me some feedback, uh, which was really helpful. She's like, you keep saying things like, obviously, this is what this is. Obviously, this is what this is. She's like, not everybody does this on a daily basis. Not everybody knows that that's obvious. So you might want to just remember that. I was like, that's actually really helpful because, yeah. Uh, I want to try to make this as relatable as possible. So did the Riddler last time, uh, obviously just as kind of a recap, I want to base my assessment just on the issue that I'm reading. So if I read something else, like for example, that the Riddler did later after those issues of Batman, um, I want to kind of consider um, those things in addition to what I already know. Does that make sense? Yep. So I realize I want to do this justice. So this is going to be a two parter. So I'm going to do like part one on this episode and then I'll, I'll do part two on the next one, but I'm doing um, Batman, the killing joke. And we're okay. going to be looking at uh, the Mr. Prown, the clown Prince of crime, the Joker, but this is obviously a um, really important book for several reasons in terms of Batman canon. So not only obviously what this book is really known for is when Barbara Gordon is paralyzed, but this is also the kind of the first book that ex starts to explore the Joker's origin story in kind of real ways, right? So kind of trying to lay that out a little bit more than it, than it is before. Um, so, you know, I guess just for referencing, we'll uh, just let it be known Joker first appeared in Batman number one, which was in the spring of 1940. So we're talking one of the originals here. So he's been around for a while. The killing joke was, does anybody know what year that was published? Mm -hmm. 1989. Close. I was, was going to say 87, 1988. Ugh, so, damn. This has been canon for a really long time. So we were four when this book was was published. Um, so let me give a quick rundown of some of the main events of the book. And then I'll start laying out some of the things that I think are important to call out. And then I will kind of continue this on our next episode. Sound good? Yep. So for those of you that have not read this, here is just kind of a rundown of some of the things that take place. So obviously the Joker shoots Barbara Gordon kind of midsection kind of her lower right side right above her hip paralyzing her um he then there are theories about this but then he then takes several pictures of her in the nude in various positions so in some ways torturing her um all you see are like snapshots of these photos like she's the only one in them so i think one of the running theories is is that joker might have raped barbara gordon but there's no evidence of that just based on what you saw uh he actually tortures jim gordon a lot so he is um first he's beaten in his own place uh he's kidnapped then he is um dragged around kind of a i guess it would be like a carnival in a dog leash around his neck and he's naked and then he is forced to kind of look at obviously the pictures of Barbara and he's pretty much just trying to break Jim Gordon. Um, he kills like the owner of the carnival that he's quote buying it from just randomly. Like he just like poisons him. Do you remember that Rich? Like he's sitting on a little, <laughs> yeah, one of those little mirror go round type things and he's just there dead. Um, so he just kind of kills that at will. Obviously that's pretty basic for the Joker. He is very focused on making Batman laugh. Like he wants to get a rise out of Batman. Um, and that's kind of, one of the major things that happens towards the ends. They also tell his origin story. So we have a failed comedian who has a wife who is expecting a child, probably almost nine months. So getting pretty close to that. It's unclear, but they die in a rare accident. Um, so then he dresses as the red hood goes to the ACE chemical plant. Um, the security guards killed his accomplices and he falls into a vat of, chemicals um this is supposedly when batman was in his earlier days because his costume is quite vintage and he comes out of a drain and then his skin is bleached and there's that like famous picture of him like pulling his uh hands between his hair and he's laughing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah um so pretty uh pretty powerful kind of moment for him as a character so a couple of things just to kind of note there's Things called V codes and Z codes. So those are just types of diagnostic codes that are used for kind of also known as other conditions that may be a focus of clinical attention. 
So it's trying to just try to better understand some of the other things going on in the person's life. So I'll give you some examples of some things that I think he meets kind of the criteria for. So inadequate housing. So they, he's not able to really provide for his uh, wife and, ex, and their uh, unborn child. Low income, uh, other problems related to employment. So he, he's kind of shaming himself before this incident as the Red Hood that he can't provide for his family. And he feels kind of uh, shitty about that. Uh, there's social exclusion or rejection. Like he mentions, you know, being this failed stand up, like nobody's laughing and he, he botches the, the punchline. So I think there's like a level of belief that he's kind of excluded from kind of other members of society. And then I think also problems relating to his lifestyle, like, you know, struggling to, you know, take care of those things, like be an adult. Can I ask, do you think yeah. he has, cause I know Hank Pym for, uh, who was Ant-Man, Yellowjacket, Giant-Man, Goliath. Um, he suffered from a major inferiority complex. Do you think at the beginning, before he became Joker and Red Hood and all that, do you think the Joker, but he was normal, he suffered from that? Well, I mean, it's tough to say based on just what I'm, but just what's present in this book. Um, there's definitely, he's lacking self-confidence and he probably has a significantly low self-esteem, I would right. say 100%. Right. I think that's right. also what contributes to him being so desperate, right? He's desperate to provide that he gets involved with, you know, criminals to try to, to try to make money. Right. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that there's definitely at the very least that's related something like that. So I think I want to go. So those are some of the other circumstances that I think are already impacting him before he's even the Joker. So he's already got some things set up for him. And I do think, just a side note, I think they try to at least bring up some of these things um, in Joaquin Phoenix's movie, right? Like somebody yeah. who is not doing very well, who's not um, engaging yeah. in society very well. But obviously they took that in several different directions. So I think for now, I want to look at kind of a, a bit, little bit of a repeat from what I was talking about with the Riddler. Um, obviously, the things that I've laid out, there is some antisocial personality stuff going on here. Again, just as kind of a recap. So there is a pervasive pattern of disregard for or violation of the rights of others um, occurring since age 15, as indicated by three. So failure to follow or conform to social norms with respects to lawful behaviors, which be indicated by repeated performing um, acts that are grounds for arrest. Deceitfulness is indicated by repeated lying, use of aliases, um, conning others for personal profit or pleasure, impulsivity or failure to plan ahead, irritability and aggressiveness as indicated by repeated physical fights or assaults, reckless um, disregard for the safety of others, Consistent irresponsibility is indicated by repeated failures to sustain consistent work behaviors or honor financial obligations. Lack of remorse as indicated by being indifferent to or rationalizing having hurt, mistreated, or stolen from another. Person has to be at least 18 years old and there's evidence of a conduct disorder with onset before age 15. Um, and then Obviously, the occurrence of antisocial behavior is not exclusively during the course of a schizophrenia or a bipolar disorder. So I'm going to put a rule out of antisocial because I think I have some other questions. Like I have no um, history for him prior. To, I mean, obviously, I, I we know more history about him in this book since his origin story is explored. But we don't really know much beyond kind of where it sets up. But I think I'm pretty comfortable with at least doing kind of a rule out of that. And then with the next episode, I'll look a little farther into do we potentially have some post-traumatic stress disorder going on here? Because he did almost lose his life and it fundamentally altered him, obviously physically, right? So bleached skin, green hair. Um, but also, if we're comparing his origin story to what he has become, we're talking a massive psychological change. Yeah. Right. So a huge shift. So I want to explore that one. I want to give that a little bit of justice. Um, so we'll kind of explore that uh, in the next episode. So a lot of things going on kind of currently before leading up to his accident, at the chemical plant. And obviously just based off of the heinous acts that he um, that he does in this book i'm looking at antisocial personality disorder but we'll look at some other ones too with the next one so you guys have any questions 
No, man, that was sweet. Do you think the three Jokers can add at all to your notes? Um, or is it basically the same? Because I'm trying to go. I'm going through the three Jokers in my head, mm-hmm. and I can't think of anything different than in the Killing Joke. Yeah. So I think what what I could do is we could look at it like canon order. I can look at the events of the three Jokers later and add to uh, the Killing Joke because there's obviously other things in there. Um, yeah, I, I, I could definitely look into doing that because I, w- I want to look at this character from several different angles because he's kind of the the big one. So, right. yeah, that's a good question, Mark. I, I'll have to look into that as well. Because as you were telling me, I can picture it all, all the panels in my head. And I was just thinking about the three Jokers. I'm like, I wonder if there's anything else in that story that he can use. Sure. So that does it for my second uh, home base assessment. So we'll, nice job. we'll pick that one up on the next one. Really good story. I highly recommend reading that book for sure. Yeah. Ooh, Rob, a, you know who would be a good one for your assessment? Catwoman. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah. That would be a good one. Or let's take some suggestions right in to Heroes Home Base at gmail.com and let's have Rob evaluate your pick yeah. or your recommend a story arc that uh, he can pull from and or you make a pick and he can pick a story arc from it. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I'm down for that. I definitely Rachel Ghoul's on my my radar here, as I mm. mentioned in the last episode. So well, yes. you know who'd also be well, uh, maybe because I like him, but Damian Wayne. I like that little boy. I hate him so much, but I don't. Do no, you? I don't. I don't really. I, I read don't a lot like of his him. Stuff, I he's fine. I, I I like him more than I ever liked Jason Todd. Well, I think my most exposure with him was in the Injustice series, and I <clears> couldn't stand him. I've been watching a lot of the animated movies on HBO Max that he's in. And I like him. He's an asshole, but I like him. He's smart. Yeah. All right, Mark, what do you got before we wrap this episode, buddy? That's all I got. It was a great episode. All right. Well, good episode, boys. Always a pleasure. Until next time, don't forget to bag your board. This is Rich. This is Mark. This is Rob. Thanks for hanging out with us for another great episode. Uh, shoot us an email again at here'shomebase at gmail.com if you would like a hat, um, you know, gives your contact information. Uh, also, we have plenty of stickers. So if you want some stickers to put on your car or your laptop or your significant other's mirror in the bathroom, you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, shoot us a comment, like, subscribe on your podcast listening uh, application of choice. Uh, we really appreciate you listening and hanging out with us. Until next time. Thank you, as always, for listening and supporting this RMR production.